Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Sure, we're doing great today. It's your program, Power Parenting Weekly, and it's my pleasure to be with you again today. My name remains Taiwo Akinlami, and I've been addressing a very, very serious topic, uh, child sexual abuse. I've addressed uh, so many aspects of it, and I think it's a journey that we are still going to take for a long time to come. I'm not going to take too much of your time today. I just want to deal with another part. I've dealt with uh, what is the real meaning of child sexual abuse. I've spoken about the steps that we take as parents, as people, as primary and secondary parents, uh, the steps that we take that uh, promote child sexual abuse. I've also spoken about uh, lessons from my story, my story of child sexual abuse. Uh, these, are, these are episodes that you can place your hand on, either via my YouTube channel or my um, podcast on Anchor. Um, they are available. All of these materials are available. Uh, we need education. We need knowledge. Knowledge is what to do. We need skills. Skill is how to do it. We need attitude. Attitude is the fortitude to do that we should know we should do. Now note that knowledge is key. And we are in an era where knowledge is everywhere. Uh, knowledge has been over-democratized. Unfortunately, the fact that there is knowledge does not mean that there are platforms of triangulation. How do you confirm what is real? How do you confirm what is fake? And so there's been a lot of noise about fake news. A lot of things appear real, but by the time you investigate and you check, you discover that they are false. But the challenge again is that how do you check that something is false? There are people that have built uh, their lives, their, em their, their empires and all of that, uh, their belief system on something that is not true, something that is the figment of imagination of a few set of people. And that is why we must turn to knowledge, we must turn to skill, we must turn to attitude, but all of this must be within the hemisphere of what is, what is confirmable. All of this must be within the hemisphere of what is confirmable, what is verifiable. And how do you verify? You have to be able to triangulate. And so that is why we do all that we do to take away the, the lies, to take away the deception, to let us see the truth as it is. And so everything that we're going to be saying to you here are subject to verification. We're not even asking you to take our words for it. We're asking you to listen to us and check for yourself whether some of the things that we are saying and all the things that we are saying are true. Anybody who is sure of what he or she is disseminating must be ready to tell the people not to be a dumping ground for knowledge. You know, there's a gentleman, Dr. Mike Mudok, who said, uh, those who pass information also pass error. That is why it is your responsibility to process information. And that is something I always tell people. When I address, when I address seminars and all of that, I always tell people that because... Those who pass information also pass error. It is therefore your responsibility to process every information. Please note that at the end of the day, when you appear before the table of knowledge to eat or to glean or to partake, you must be ready to understand that you do that for three reasons. You approach the table of knowledge for three reasons. Number one, you approach to learn new things. You approach to to learn new things, number one. Number two, you approach to confirm... Yes, number one, you approach to learn new things. Number two, you approach to confirm the things you already know. Number three, you approach to question. You must always 
put on your curiosity cap. You must always put on your learning cap. You must be ready to question whatever you are receiving because it is true that if you choose to be a dumping ground for knowledge, everything will be dumped on you and by the time you finish on the table of knowledge, you suffer from knowledge constipation. At the end of the day, you are more confused when you join, when you are leaving the table than when you join. And the purpose of joining in the first instance is to clear your confusion. But at the end of the day, because you do not have the capacity to process information, how do you process information? You process information with your own value system. When you, you put whatever you are hearing side by side your value system, which you have taken time to understand, which you have taken time to know who you are, your identity and all of that. And all of that help you in taking a decision or, or hearing well and processing well. And that is by way of introduction. So I'm going to be sharing with you, I said all of that because I'm going to be sharing with you some myths and some meaning, which are keys to prevention of child sexual abuse. So what I'm discussing with you today is child sexual abuse, the myths and meaning as keys to prevention of child sexual abuse. You must understand what the issues are if you are going to make a difference in the lives of our young people, in the lives of our children. So the first thing I want to address today is this subject matter of who is a child. And it's a major issue. You know, a lot of times we argue about who is a child. But I tell you that even sometimes those who you think should know, should understand, should understand that who a child is, we find that they find it difficult to equally relate with that truth. Now, according to the law, now I'm talking about the Child Rights Act, which is the domestication of the Convention on, of the Convention on the Rights of Children, which is the most ratified convention in the world. The Child Rights Act says a child is anybody below 18 years old. A child is anybody below 18 years old. A child is actually a person beyond a person below 18 years, which means anybody, any person below the age of 18 is a child. That is the definition of a child. That's a child. Anybody below 18 years old is a child. That is the law. And that Child Rights Act has been ratified in 24 states of the Federation. When you add the Federal Capital Territory, you don't find that 25 states, if you call the Federal Capital Territory a state, have uh, uh, ratified the Child Rights Act. Now, in the states where the Child Rights Act have not been ratified, you find that what applies there is what we call Juvenile and Young Persons Law. And it recognizes that a child is pet who a child or a young person is at, is at 17. At 17. Between 14 and 17. That is where it is. So you find that even in the states where the Child Rights Act has not been promulgated, you find that maybe just one year short of who a child is. So we can now say in Nigeria, between the Child Rights Act and Juvenile and Young Persons Act, a child or a young person is anybody below 18 or below 17. That is a safe conclusion to make. And so, beyond that, beyond the legal position of where a child is, the second thing we need to pay attention to is, at the end of the day, 
beyond what is that personhood, beyond the whole idea of what the law says. We must ask the question, what is that personhood of a child? It means that when we say a child is a person, a child has three components, three characteristics. The number one thing is that the child, excuse me, the child is a person of what? The child is a person of what? It means the child has what? It means being a person of what? The child is made in the image and the likeness of God. The child is not a subject of abuse. Is a person of what? Is a priceless human being. And if it's made in the image and the likeness of God, it means the child is made after the image of God. If God is priceless, if God is worthy, then those children are priceless. Those children are worthy. That is why they cannot be abused. Childhood is not a rehearsal for life. Childhood means life has already started. And whatever is done to a child, anybody below 18 remains with that child forever. Remains with the child forever. There is hardly anything we can do to obliterate that once that is done. That's why we have to be careful. What we do to children, we have to be careful that when we are dealing with children, they are not lesser human beings. They are people of what? An adult is a person of what? A child is a person of what? A child does not have reduced to what? When one another has an elevated worth. What is what? A child is a person. A person has worth. Number one, a person of worth does not deserve to be abused, does not deserve to be taken advantage of. His or her virginity cannot be stolen. His or her virginity cannot be taken away with impunity and without any regret or without any remorse. No, a child is a person of worth. Number two, a child is a thinking being. Which means the child has the sense of judgment. Whatever you do to children, children can judge. They may not have capacity to resist you. They may not even know that they ought to resist you. But you need to know that children already, they are persons that have sense of judgment. They can judge what you are doing to them. They know what you are doing is wrong. They may not be able to shout. They may not be able to cry out. They may not be able to ask for help. But it does not mean... They do not feel the impact of what you are doing to them. They feel the impact. They can reason. They can think. And that's why when they become older, they are looking for outlet to give expression to that injustice they suffered when they were growing up. They just want someone to know. They just want to speak up. They just want the world to be aware of what they went through in the hands of someone that was supposed to be a person of authority, that was supposed to be a protector who became an abuser. Very important. We must understand that. Number three, a child has the power of choice. A child has the power of choice. Choice is a major attribute of a person. A person has the power of choice. No child is going to choose abuse. You then, when you abuse children, you superimpose your own power of choice. Over their own power of choice, their choices are supposed to be given direction. Their choices are supposed to be helped so that they can do the right thing, so that they can move in the right direction. But when you superimpose your choices on their own choice, the power of your choice over their own choice, if it is not for good, you are destroying their capacity to make, 
capacity to make choices. You are destroying their capacity to make choices. And that does not all go well. What I'm saying to you at the end of the day is that what child sexual abuse does is to destroy the entirety of the personhood of the child. Is to destroy the sense of what? Is to destroy the sense of judgment. Is to destroy the sense of choice. Children ought not to be abused for whatever reason. We must make sure that we protect them. We protect their sense of what? We protect their sense of judgment. We protect their sense of choice. Very, very important. We cannot ride offshore on any of those. When we tamper with their sexuality, when we tamper with their virginity, when we tamper with their dignity, when we tamper with their honor, when we tamper with their choices, we are tampering, we are tampering with their personhood. We are tampering with their personhood. And that's why I conclude, a person is worthy of protection from abuse. A person, if you agree that a child is a person, is worthy of protection from abuse. If I put it another way, a worthy person, a person of worth, is worthy of protection from abuse. A person that has a sense of judgment is worthy of protection from abuse. A person that has the power of choice is worthy of protection from abuse. That cannot be overemphasized. That must be, uh, 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 must be very well understood. Now, this is another myth. The myth is that when it comes to the issue of age of consent, I've told you the age of consent in Nigeria. A child is anybody below 18? So age of consent is 18 years, majorly, largely, is 18 years. Now, in the states where the child rights act has not been promulgated, in Canada states, so you can work with age 17 by the, by the, by the uh, workings of juvenile and young persons law. You can work with age uh, 17. Now, this is the point. The point is this. Many people have said that the reason why the Child Rights Act has not been promulgated in all of those states is because of child marriage. And I think I agree. Though I do not agree with the concept of child marriage. I think in another broadcast, in another conversation, I would do a lot of work in trying to expose this concept called child marriage. As far as I'm concerned, Legally speaking, there are ingredients that must exist to make something a marriage. There must be capacity. There must be, there must be capacity. There must be intention. There must be consent. There must be consummation. All of this cannot take place between a child and a child and between a child and an adult. And so, why we end up calling it marriage, so I don't understand. I will call it serious sexual abuse. Serious sexual abuse. Because as far as I'm concerned, there is no such thing as child marriage. Because a child cannot marry. And we must find another word to define that. But that is not my advocacy today. That is not why I am here today. It's just by the way. So we say the reason why there is this controversy about the age of consent, why there is this controversy in Canada states, why the Child Rights Act has not been domesticated. We say the problem is, we say child marriage is one of the problems. And I agree. But you see, Child marriage is one of the problems. But you see, 
child marriage is not the root of the problem. I think the real problem is the is the is the gap, the widening gap between the have and the have not. I think the real problem is the position of the oppressed, of the oppressor against the oppressed. I think the real issue is the class issue. It's not a religious matter. It's not a Christian versus Muslim matter. It's not an Islamic issue. It is simply a class issue. And let me explain it to you. Now, when you look at child marriage, and that's why I need us to do an advocacy to begin to call for the domestication of the Child Rights Act in the North. We need to do that advocacy, and that advocacy has to be strong. Now, this is the point I'm trying to make. Now, when you look at child marriage in the North, who are the people being given out in marriage? They are not the children of the politicians. They are not the children of the senators. They are not the children of the governors. They are not the children of the commissioners. They are not the children of the ministers. They are not even the children of the traditional rulers. No. They are the children of wars of wood and draws of water. The children of the oipoloi. The children of the wretched of the earth. As fans for now we refer to them. The driving force against child marriage in the north and everywhere it exists is not religion. The driving force is poverty. As my friend Dele Farotimi will say, poverty has been weaponized. And because poverty has been weaponized, it has become the weapon that the state and its cohort and its ilks, they use to oppress the masses. We must put the conversation where the conversation belongs. The conversation as to what is happening in the north today is about the have and the have not. That is why when you look at the children of the rich in the north, they are not victims. They are not affected by child marriage. Their children go to Ivy League universities. They graduate, they do masters, they do PhD. They come back home to marry, to marry, to marry a somebody like them who are, who are also going to the university. Now, the lady who has gone to the university is not coming back to marry a child. The guy who has gone to the university is not coming back to marry a, a poor child. He's going to marry another person who has gone to the same Ivy League university, who has the same resources, who are of the same class. Now, what happens is this. After they now marry that first wife, when they are getting old, they are looking for how to renew their blood. They now go to capitalize on the poverty of the people to get to, to marry these young girls. Now, this is the point. Then again, when people are not able to go to school, another way is that when people are not able to go to school, now, as of today, 46 million Nigerian children are out of school because of COVID. Before COVID, it was 13.5 million. But with COVID, 46 million are out of school. When you add young people who are trying to seek Adult education, that's another 36 million. So you have 80 million Nigerians today who are out of school. So you can see that this nation is sitting on a keg of gunpowder. If we have to go by the words of Mandela, that there's no keener revelation of the soul of a nation than how they treat their children. We are sitting on a keg of gunpowder. So this is the point. The point I'm trying to make is this. When you talk about the age of consent, there is a politics behind the policies of the age of consent. Child marriage is one of them. And we must be interested as people who are ready to solve social problems 
in the root causes of problem, the root cause of what we call child marriage is poverty. It is either the rich is taking children as 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 taking children as second wives, children of the poor. It is either when the children are not able to go to school, what do they do next? They get married. They get married. It is either somebody who claims to be a leader of a faith is going to take a young child as a wife. Meanwhile, he's not going to take his own children as wives. He's not going to give his own children as wives to others. He's going to send his children to Ivy League school, even traditional rulers. It is the poor that keep giving out their children as wives, either to themselves or to an upper-class person who wants those children. And again, the upper-class people also play the role of middlemen in trafficking. Because if you look at the Yarima's case, Senator Yarima, now that one took place in Abuja. The Yarima's case took place in Abuja, where he was allegedly... He was alleged to have married a 13-year-old girl, 14, who was said to be an Egyptian girl. He, commit, he allegedly committed, a, committed that offense in Abuja. But at the end of the day, he was never tried. He was never, I know he's innocent until proven guilty, but the world was never given the opportunity to see him go to trial. The world was never given the opportunity to, for us to see whether the allegations against him were true and for him to, to defend those allegations when they are established. It remained a newspaper trial, a newspaper conversation. And that's how we do things here. Why was Rehima never brought to book despite an allegation? The picture of the girl in question was published. A lot of things happened. And that thing that Yerima did, he did, under the, he did in Abuja. And in Abuja, since 2003, the Child Rights Act was in force. The Child Rights Act was in force. The Child Rights Act was in force. And under the Child Rights Act, child marriage is an offense. Both by the person who is contracting the children out is an offense. You cannot contract children out in child marriage. It's an offense under the Child Rights Act. So Senator Yerima allegedly committed that offense in Abuja and he never saw trial. He was invited by NAPTIP. He was invited by government agencies. At the end of the day, the government agencies did not find it necessary or accountable to come back to the public and tell us that this was the conversation they had with the senator. It was hush-hush. It was under the under, it was swept under the carpet. It was behind the curtains. It was a conversation, negotiation of power between the have-not and the have. You can, you know, obviously, that when there's conversation of power between the have and the have-not, the have we always have the way in a state where being egalitarian is an abysmal commitment. Where a state being egalitarian it's not a commitment all of us are committed to. To have such commitment will be to be daydreaming. Except we continue a level of sustained agitation that will grant power to the oppressed. So the issue of consent, age of consent in Nigeria, 
I want us to see it beyond the provisions of the law. I want us to see it beyond religion. There is a politics behind. There is a politics behind the policies. And if we keep attacking the policies without attacking the policies, if we keep attacking the policies, sorry, without attacking the policies, we are going to be wasting our time. We must be interested in the policies, in the politics that inform the politics. We must be interested in the politics that inform the policies. We must be interested in the politics that inform the policies. It is a battle between the have and the have not. It's not a cultural battle. It's not a religious battle. It is a poverty battle. It is a class battle. It is a class struggle. It's the same thing with the Alumajeri case. The Alumajeri matter in the north. Alumajeri matter is not a function of, of culture. It's not a function of religion. It's a function of class. It's the battle between have and the have not. The, the, the issue of child labor in the north is not a function of religion. The issue of children that are begging is not a function of religion. It's not a function of culture. It's a function of class. Is a function of, 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 of class, is a function of oppression. What happens is that religion is coated in religion to deceive the unwary, is coated in culture to deceive the unwary. Because now, this is the point if it is a matter of culture, and imagine you should cut across, you should see children of senators, you should see children of politicians, you should see children of the rich being an imagerist also because it's a cultural thing, it cuts across. If child marriage is a religious matter, it's a matter of religion, it means everybody who proclaims the particular faith which is said to encourage that, that child marriage, then everybody should give out their children in marriage. Anybody below 18, but you will not find that among the rich. You'll find it among the poor. Is that the rich is marrying the poor? Is that the rich is the merchant? Carry the poor to marry them out is either the poor are marrying themselves when they are not able to go to school, when a woman is not going to school, is not learning a trade, is not making meaning. What is next? The next thing that you begin to talk about as a woman or a man is to begin to think about marriage. Those are fundamental issues that we must be interested in. Now, look at all the countries where child marriage is a major problem. Look at Yemen. Look at Afghanistan. Look at Pakistan. Look at Bangladesh. Look at Syria. What on? All of these countries have something in common. Poverty and war. Poverty and war. Poverty and war. Poverty and war. They have it in common. How come the determinant factor of child marriage is poverty and war? In everywhere where it has become the order of the day, how come it is it is poverty that is the central state? And here in Nigeria, when we are discussing this issue of age of consent, when we are discussing this issue of child marriage, we only focus on religion. We bring a religious leader to come and talk to us about it. We bring political leader. Instead of us looking at the matter, let's look at the determinant factor. Let's look at the common denominator, which is poverty. I think it's important that I do this advocacy today. It's important that I tell you my heart concerning this matter today. It is important that you see what I'm trying to say today. It is that the challenge that our children face in Nigeria is the problem of the have and the have nots. 
It is about the widening gaps between the have and the have not. It's about the crisis that we are, the crisis that we are dealing with is the crisis of lack of commitment on the side of those who have to alleviate the poverty of those who do not have. And so most of the children that are today subject of child sexual abuse are the children of the poor. Are you saying that the children of the rich do not suffer sexual abuse? They also do, but for different reasons. For different reasons. For different reasons. And that is not my subject matter for today. What I'm saying today is that even when a child is abused, if the child is a child of, of the lower crust, the children of the unemployed, the children of the poor, where is the where is the wherewithal? Where is the resources to approach the justice system? Provided the justice system even exists. <laughs> the justice system is not blind in Nigeria. The justice system can see. The justice system sees status. The justice system sees capacity. The justice system sees position. The justice system sees political status position the justice system sees the poor and anytime the justice system opens its eyes to see it gives kudos it gives credit to the upper class to the one with status and suppresses the right of the have not of the poor and so at the end of the day no matter how hard you try no matter how you outstand your cases no matter how sound your position is, no matter how sound you are in making your case, since the one you are talking to can see is not an unbiased arbiter, is not blind, is not holding the scale equally. A lot of things affect the scale. The position of the people affect the scale. The status of the people affect the scale. Where the person is affect the scale. The political affiliation of the person affect the scale. So what happens? The scale is always tilted to the side of the rich, of the political elite, of the ruling class. And the pendulum is also weighing down on the poor, on the oil polloi, on the hewers of wood and drafts of water. That is the definition of justice in a nation that do not promote egalitarian society, where there are equal rights and equal opportunities. When I talk about egalitarian, I mean equal rights and equal opportunity. I mean equal rights and equal opportunity. That's what I mean when I talk about an egalitarian society. Having said that, in bringing my conversation to a close today, I want to quickly say to you what... So I want to... I've discussed myths. And you see, in concluding on myth, poverty is a major issue when it comes to abuse. I've kept saying it. Poverty is the driving force behind all forms of abuse, including child sexual abuse. Poverty is a driving force between all forms of abuse, sexual abuse, and all forms of all other forms of abuse. Poverty is a major driving force. Are you saying abuse does not happen among the rich? I've said so. It happens among the rich for different reasons. For different reasons. It happens among the rich for different reasons. Maybe for neglect. Maybe for lack of knowledge. Maybe because the children are not educated. But all of this plus poverty is the reason why it happens among the poor. 
is the reason why happens among the poor. This week I was in the midst of some children. We've been training for SOS Children's Village. And I was in the midst of children who are in urban Lagos, who have never heard of Zoom. Urban Lagos, they've never heard of Zoom. They've not done one meeting on Zoom. And these children are in Lagos, urban. Not in Samfara. Not in, in Kafanchan. Not in the rural area. They are within the urban Lagos. And these children are going to are supposed to be in a place to be able to compete with their with their with their mates who have been going to school online. And that's why when I talk to young people today, I tell them, I say, come, be grateful that you are in school, be grateful that you are able to go to school. When I talk to children in the upper cross, be grateful that you are able to go to school, be grateful. Be grateful that you are in school. Be very, very grateful. Because you are angry that you have not gone for summer. I tell them, I said, some of your friends have not eaten to summer salt. Not to talk of going for summer. They don't have enough food in their, in their stomach. To want to summer salt, they don't have enough food in their system. To want to summer salt, not to go, not talk, talk of going for summer. You are angry because you have not gone for summer. Some people are not even, they are not able to come out in the sun. They can't even see the sun. Not to talk of enjoying summer and these are fundamental issues i keep saying there's no way we can address the issue of child rights child protection in nigeria see poverty is a major issue when it comes to the issue of every form of abuse and child sexual abuse as we're rounding off today i want to quickly go to the letters of the law you know i said i'm going to be discussing meats and meanings. I haven't finished with the first segment of discussing the myth. I want to now discuss what is child abuse according to the letters of the law. You know, uh, section 31 and 32 of the Child Rights Act 2003 gives us a definition and also tells us the punishment for perpetrating child sexual abuse. I think this meaning and the myths that I've discussed are key to preventing child sexual abuse in a, in a fundamental way. So, Section 31 and 32, Child Rights Act says, 2003, says, No person shall have sexual intercourse with a child, a person who contravenes the provision of subsection 1, of this section commits an offense of rape and is liable on conviction to life imprisonment. Where a person is charged with an offense under this section, it is immaterial that the offender believed that the person to be of or above the age of 18 years, it would not matter that the offender thought, uh, said, I thought she was older than 18. That's the picture that I saw. Or I thought she was 18 and above. It will be immaterial that the sexual intercourse was with the consent of the child, meaning that a child does not have capacity to give consent. Now, section 32 goes further to say, a person who sexually abuses or sexually exploits a child in any manner 
not readily mentioned, not already mentioned under this session of this act, commits an offense. So we're talking about sexual abuse and exploitation of any manner, using children for pornography, engaging children in acts of sexual exploitation, using children as sex toys, trafficking children for sexual purposes, prostitution, and a whole lot of that. Any manner that constitutes in whatever form abuse will be punished. Such person is liable to 14 years imprisonment. 14 years imprisonment. A person who commits an offense under subsection 1 of this session is liable on conviction to imprisonment for a term of 14 years. That is the law. When you have carnal knowledge of a child, it is already unlawful. When you have carnal knowledge of anybody below 18, it is already unlawful. It will not matter for you to say, I thought he was above 18. It will not matter for you to say that she gave me he or she gave me consent. Now, under this law, both a boy and a girl can be sexually molested. Under this law, both a boy and a girl can be raped. When it comes to children, child sexual abuse of children, rape of children, the law does not, does not only cover the girl child. The law covers both the girl and the boy child. It is important that I make that point because when it comes to adults, there is argument as to whether a man can be raped. Now, with the provision of uh, violence against persons, uh, prohibition of violence against persons act, there may be a leeway to talk about whether a man can be raped. But when it comes to children, which is my subject matter today, the law does not dichotomize between a boy and a girl. According to this law, if you have unlawful carnal knowledge of a child, if you sodomize a child, a male or a female, it is an offense. It also means that a child-to-child -child sexual abuse constitutes an offense also. Now, when children abuse themselves, they may not be subject to the normal uh, judicial process that an adult may be subjected to. They will be subjected to a form of judicial process which is known as diversion. One of these days, I'll talk about that. You know, one of these days, I'll talk about that because uh, uh, it's important that we understand all of that. Now, a, a child, anybody below 18, is not exonerated by virtue of the fact that he or she is a child when he or she abuses a person. Now, what about sexting? Sexting is covered here. You cannot, as an adult, demand for a picture of the penis, of the vagina, of the breast, of the buttock, of the lap of a child, of the nakedness of a child. If you do so, it will be sexual abuse or sexual exploit in any manner. So it covers sexting. It covers, you know, innuendos. It covers a coarse jesting. It covers calling a child your wife or your husband. It covers suggestions. It covers 
a, 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 a suggestive statements. And unfortunately for, for, for those who want to abuse children, it is what the child perceives to be sexual abuse that is abuse. It is according to the perception of the child, ultimately. In rounding up today, I'm going to be looking at the social ingredients of child sexual abuse. That's what I'm going to round off today, social ingredients of, of child sexual abuse. Child abuse is evidenced by sexual activity between a child and an adult or another child who by age or development is in a relationship of responsibility, trust or power and the activity being intended to gratify or satisfy, satisfy the need of the other person. Sexual abuse, I repeat, is evidenced by sexual activity between a child and an adult or another child who by age of development is in a relationship of responsibility, trust and power, responsibility, trust and power, and the activity being intended, being intended to gratify or satisfy the need of the other person. When it comes to sexual abuse, it is about the satisfaction, gratification of the need of the other person. I've heard people tell, I've heard people say to, I've heard people say to young people who are sexually molested, did you not enjoy it? That in itself is a fallacy on the part of whosoever, say, whosoever says it. Particularly, I've heard the police say such. is a fallacy. How do you mean that does a child not enjoy it? What do you mean by enjoyment? What is your definition of enjoyment? That I'm coerced. That my, this act is satisfying the gratification of the other person. How can I enjoy something that I did not call for? How can I enjoy something that I did not order for? How can I enjoy something that I don't have capacity to give consent for? And if I've been lured by an adult who has worked on my mind, who has messed up my mind as a child, getting me to accede to something which is against my interest, luring me with money, luring me with resources, luring me with power, luring me with trust, luring me with the place of responsibility, claiming, insisting, threatening that I will not pay my school fees, and on the basis of that, I give in, I give in to it. Does that mean I enjoy it? Does that mean I give consent? When in actual fact, anybody below 18 cannot give consent. That I gave in means he has used his place of trust, his place of power, his place of responsibility to take advantage of me that it went on for a long time and I did not speak up does not make me an accomplice, does not mean that I enjoyed for a while, I'm not saying I'm no more interested, means along the line, an adult that is supposed to give me direction, an adult that is supposed to help me in life, an adult that, that is supposed to help me to protect and preserve my sexuality and my dignity, this same adult is taking advantage of me and this same adult has subdued me, I've not submitted to the process, I have been subdued. The adult has used its power. The adult has used the place of trust. The adult has used the place of responsibility. Or even a pair has used the place of responsibility, has used the place of power to suppress my, 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 my thought, to suppress my dignity, to suppress my honor, to suppress my will. How does that become enjoyment? At the end of the day, how does that become enjoyment? It is an insult. 
It is an assault on my dignity of woman person as a child when you are telling me that I enjoyed abuse. Even if I'm suffering from Stockholm Syndrome, which is a problem, which is protecting, being on the side of the abuser, it is a syndrome. It is a syndrome I need to be counseled out of. It is a syndrome I need to be helped with. It is not a healthy system. It is not a healthy syndrome. It is a syndrome that needs to be dealt with. Medically, it has been named as Stockholm Syndrome. It means I've lost my senses of order. It means I've lost my senses of reasoning. It means I've lost my senses of dignity. It means I've lost my senses of honor. It means I've lost my senses of power. It means I've lost my senses of responsibility. It means I've lost my senses of dignity, honor. That is why I can be siding up with the person who sexually molested me as a child. And when I side up with the person who sexually molested me as a child, it is the responsibility of the law enforcement agents, is the responsibility of those who offer rescue services, is the responsibility of those who offer uh, uh, rehabilitation services to work me out of that syndrome, to work me out of that mental imbalance. It's not for them to rub and stamp it. It's not for them to try to use it as a defense for the one who has abused me. Say, did I not enjoy it? Say, who did you tell? Next week, when I'm addressing this issue further, I will deal with some of these issues again. Now, social ingredients of child sexual abuse. This may include, but not limited to, the inducement or coercion of a child to engage in any unlawful sexual activity. The use of child in prostitution or other unlawful sexual practices. The use of children in pornographic performances and materials. Using children in pornographic performances and materials. There's something that happens this day. Somebody says he or she sees a video of children who have been sexually molested, who are engaged in pornography, pornography, and we continue to send this video out. This is not right. We are aiding the enterprise of the merchant and the distributor of, of sexual abuse in the name of trying to say we are exposing something. And when I receive such video, I delete it immediately and I want those who send it to me to say, please don't ever, ever send this type of picture to me. I don't need to see this picture to know that children have been in, engaged in, 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 in pornography, pro, pornographic, to do pornograph, pornographic material. I'm aware this picture you are sending to me, you're already doing the bidding and the enterprise of the person who authored it. Engaging children in pornographic material, both hardcore and softcore. Have you seen recently that people go to, the, to, 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 to do music? And when they do the music, they bring the, the, this music is, is promoting softcore pornography. And they bring children to be part of that music, to dance in that music. They appear in the music video that is promoting softcore pornography. Everything from obscene exposure to touching the genital in a sexual way to touching the genital at all. Once you touch the genital, it's already wrong. Once you touch the genital, it's already wrong. Everything to obscene exposure. You are doing children's party. You are exposing children to adult content. It is wrong. Songs that are not meant for children. Songs that are pornographic in nature. 
What does it mean for something to be pornographic? Anything that arouses your sexual sensibility unnecessarily is pornographic. What is pornography? Anything that arouses your sexual sensibility unnecessarily is pornographic. It might be a picture, it might be motion, it may be words, it may be song. It is pornographic. Anything that arouses your sexual sensibility as a child or as an adult unnecessarily is pornographic. It may be move, it may be motion, it may be picture, it may be words, it may be song, it may be anything. Once it arouses your sexual sensibility unnecessarily is pornography. Exposure to adult content in the name of entertainment, turning the girl child into a sex object and the boy child into a sex machine. Exposure to adult contents in the name of entertainment, which today has made our young people, our children, the girls see, the, the girls see themselves, themselves as sex objects and the boys see themselves as sex machines. According to reports of violence against children, in 2014, sexual violence includes all forms of sexual abuse and exploitation. This encompasses a range of acts, including completed sex acts, attempted sex acts, abusive sexual contact, unwanted touching, i.e. unwanted touching, pressured sex, such as true threat or tricks, pressured sex, such as true tricks, pressured acts, such as true threats and tricks, pressured acts, such as true threats and tricks. That will be all for today. You see, next week I'll be here again. There is the science from of protection from child abuse. There's a science. That science begins from the child being with the understanding. That thing begins with the understanding of the child as to who, what are the classes? What are the classes of offenders, and are, what is their mode of operation? What I'm saying in essence is that at the end of the day, to protect children from child sexual abuse, that science is ignited when the child or and the parent, the primary and the secondary parents, understand that child sexual abuse begins with the, that protection. That process of protection begins with the child understanding classes of offenders and how they operate so ladies and gentlemen that is our conversation tonight for power parenting weekly we have been addressing the subject matter of child sexual abuse today i've dealt with the myth and the meaning as the key to prevention next week i'm going to be dealing with child sexual abuse every part is private to me and i'm going to use that to lead conversation in some of the areas that I've mentioned today, God's willing. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. It's my pleasure, pleasure to be with you. Thank you for being part of this program. Please make it a point of duty to join our channel. Subscribe to this YouTube channel. Don't subscribe alone. Put on the notification bell so that when we send a message, you can when we post a new video, you can receive it. 
Not only that, make it a point of duty to uh, also like this video. Don't only like it, also share it, share it, share it. And leave comments. Don't be a silent listener. Also leave your comments. Let us enjoy the pleasure of your comments. Positive or negative, whatever you feel. The arena of debate is not what we run away from. We are interested in that. And finally, uh, make it a part of duty to subscribe to our comic. We have a, we have a comic, save you comic. Subscribe to that comic. Make it a point of duty to subscribe. It provides alternative, alternative entertainment and help our children to understand their role in their personal safety and self-protection. Very important. Uh, we have a material that is going to help you to help your children against sexual abuse, against online bully and bullying and a lot of that. It is called eSafe Manual. It's a manual, 103 pages manual that teaches you from end to end out what to do when it comes to protecting your children. Now, that material, this month, we are doing discount on the, on the house. So, we are taking away 50% uh, from it. So, if you are interested in picking that material, I advise you to send a message to the number that are scrolling under this video and I can assure you that will come to you. Also, our books, our, our books are online. Now, later in the month, we are going to be having the Taiwan Academy Masterclass. Uh, send message to any of the numbers here. If you are interested, I'm going to be having uh, three uh, uh, eminent facilitators who are going to bless you. We are going to be discussing maximizing social, uh, social impact, passion to profit, profit, passion to profit. Not only that, uh, our Power Parenting Academy is going to see the light of day in the month of October. Now, ladies and gentlemen, don't keep following, keep listening, and keep uh, 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 doing the needful. Remember, when it comes to the protection of our children, enlightenment is superior to enforcement. Thank you very much. Join me next week as I discuss the subject. Child sexual abuse, every part is private to me. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Bye for now.